All right, if you will, let's go ahead and start making our way back to our seats. Got a lot to cover this morning. Yeah, we've got a, a couple of you couples that have been traveling the world this summer, so it's good to see you guys back. Hope you had a good journey. A um, couple of things. First off, the link is actually not in the weekly. Information's in the weekly. The link's not in there, so we'll get that in there this week if you want to sign up for the No River Gorge thing. Uh, there are two more classes today. Um, they're going to be at 4 o'clock, and they're here. If you haven't signed up, one of them is the Regen, Regeneration, Mentoring. Larry Kimball's going to be leading that. And it's um, walking with, helping people that have had struggles. It's not just addictions, but just struggles, hangups, things that are keeping people from being victorious in their Christian walk. And there's a whole variety of things that might fit into that slot. So that's going to be today at 4 o'clock. Really encourage you to come to that. Um, if you know Larry, just let him know. If you don't know him, just show up. He'll be fine with that. And the second one is uh, Jen Tierney is going to be doing an overview of kind of the philosophy of missions, the theology of missions, and what we're trying to do with missions. And that's going to be at 4 o'clock as well. So I um, encourage you to sign up for those. All right. I think that's it. So let me uh, pray for us. And then we're going to jump in. Second Peter chapter 1. Cannot wait. I love this passage. Lord, I thank you for um, just your creation. Lord, I thank you for the passage that Brandon read this morning that points to you as God as being supernatural. Lord, I thank you for Michael and and bringing animals on stage, which scared me a little bit, but it was just good to see and be reminded that you truly are powerful. And this morning, as we jump into this passage, we're going to see another side of this supernatural God residing within us. Lord, open up our eyes, open up our hearts. Lord, help us to understand, to comprehend, to put our our, our minds around these truths, because this truth today has the power to truly change our lives. Lord, every week I, I speak a lot of words, or whoever's speaking speaks a lot of words, and sometimes we stumble through thoughts that aren't, we don't make clear, and sometimes we go off course and we say things that probably are not led by the Spirit, and that there's a struggle that's there. And Lord, I just pray that those words would fall quickly to the ground, but what is of you, what is of your word, what is by your spirit would sink in deeply. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Second um, Peter chapter one, we're going to look at a couple of verses this morning. I'm not going to do the five minute review, but here's our four areas that we're walking through with second Peter. Uh, the one just re being reminded before we even step into this first Peter was written to console those that were being persecuted. Remember that? So he writes first Peter and there's these various persecutions coming all over from all over the place. And he's reminding them, you represent God and the way that you handle these is going to show whether your creator is real or not. 
Okay? Unbelievers are watching, so you cannot retaliate the way that an unbeliever you know, would. Or you can't act towards your boss the way someone else you know, would. And if you've got an unbelieving spouse that's really just beating you up because of your faith in Christ, you can't respond to them the way that an unbeliever would. So that's a lot of what 1 Peter is about. This one's later. Peter knows that he's dying, and the Lord gives him a word for the church that has forgotten, that's been confused, and that's listening to some bad teachings, and now he's warning them. So this is the overview. It's don't forget, don't stop growing, don't be deceived, and don't doubt his soon return. Okay, so last week we had Pastor Paul uh, that was here giving us reminders, and I've been talking about it this morning already, just about God's supernatural workings as revealed um, in the book of Second Peter. And this morning we're going to discuss that as well, but it's his supernatural workings as he is living within us. And I've had several conversations with probably four or five of you guys, and I'm not sure exactly why, but I feel the weight of this passage and I want to make sure that I'm just real clear with what it says and what it doesn't says. Even though all of the word of God is God breathed and has the ability to just change our lives. And I do believe that. That there's some passages or some words or some truths that are in scripture that if we get them, I mean really get them, they'll change the way that we live our lives. And, and it'll take anxiousness and it'll turn it into peace. It'll take struggle and it'll turn it into to joy. This is one of those passages. So I really am praying that the Lord will help us to see what's here. It's a passage of hope. Hope for those that are struggling with the day-to-day -day grind of life, purpose, finances, relationships, jobs, parenting, trials, you know, all of these things, heartaches, uncertainty of the future. It provides hope for those that are struggling with ongoing power of temptation and the sting of sin, feeling like the bad days are outnumbering the good days. The defeats are much greater than the victories. It's a passage that also provides hope for those that might be struggling with an addiction, that there's something in your life that you just don't seem to overcome, be able to overcome. It's that kind of a passage. So let's dive into it together. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. But if you'll see in the red, I know if you're back in the back, you're not going to see this. So just look at your own Bible. We're only going to be teaching through verse number 3 today. Here's the word of God. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Here's our passage. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Does anybody remember as a kid, and this may be me showing my age, does anybody remember John Henry? Anybody remember being in school and being in elementary and they would show this video clip of John Henry? The challenge was man versus machine. And John Henry was supposedly faster than the new steam 
drill that had come out and there was the challenge and he was going to show that he could dig through the mountain just as quickly as the steam drill would be able to dig through. You might remember that. I don't know why, but I was thinking about that as I was looking at this passage and considering this passage. And man, he was really, really good. But in the end, you remember what happened to John Henry? He died. He died. Okay? It, it came at a cost. And as I was thinking about this passage, here's the spiritual connection. And this one is personal to me, and some of you all could say the same thing. I remember a time in my life when I did everything I could to muster up the energy to get through a week, to survive a day, to attempt to have it all together, to be a good Christian, to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good boss, day in and day out, struggling to find the energy to do it and then to do it again and again. But inwardly, finding that the, the, the discouragement that was there because of my inabilities was just killing me. I was just disappointed in regular fail, you know, failures. And I was a believer. I wasn't an unbeliever. I had access to the power of God, but I was a believer. I had a certificate to show it and had the t-shirt, you know. I was a, a Jesus follower, but the struggle was so real that inwardly, though I would probably never tell anyone because I would not want them to know how I really felt, I didn't see that there was any hope in sight apart from the grace of God. Just like John Henry, I would have died in my attempt to keep it all together. Right? And it may have impressed some people along the way, but it would have killed me. Our passage in Second Peter is speaking of God's rescue from these moments. It actually, in, second, in Ephesians 2, it speaks of how God rescued us from our sinful condition. He talks about, it says, but God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. And today's passage is a but God passage as well. A passage that shows that we can stop dead in our humanistic tracks and sometimes the ones we sometimes inadvertently find ourselves walking in where it's really us and our own strength and it gives us hope but it's the kind of hope that enables us to give up. To give up our feeble attempts at trying to succeed in this life and to be good Christians and instead to give up by looking up, by looking to him, by looking to his power and not ours. But God, because he's the only one that's strong enough and powerful enough to step in and to help us to live the Christian life. It's supernatural. There's a word. Christianity is supernatural. You cannot live it in your own strength. Pastor Paul reminded us of that. And now the Lord is reminding us of that again this morning. Paul prays this prayer in Ephesians 1. I'll put it up on the screen later because I want to reference it again later. But he prays this for the people at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. He says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is, and listen to this, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? That's my prayer for us as well. That the heart, the, you know, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened 
um, that we would know this hope that he's given to us through the gospel, but beyond that, that we would get but a taste of this immeasurable, immeasurable is a strong word, immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, that we would put our eyes on him and not our circumstances, that we would see that it's all about him and not about us. Peter says in verse number 13 of chapter 1, and we, we discussed this last week and the week before, he says, I am here to stir you up by way of reminder. That's what he's doing with this passage. He's stirring us up. He's shaking us. He's reminding us. But he's doing so by starting 1 Peter off by giving us hope. The things that you're dealing with, the struggles that you're having, the apathy, the the, the, the false teachers, all of these things that are in front of you, God has given you the power to overcome them. You can have hope. So the message, the verse begins with these, these three, if I can get to it, three words, his divine power, his divine power. We discussed it last week, and this was a slide that I put up last week. But this first passage in 3 and 4, it's all about him. I mean, look at it. His divine power, knowledge of him, his own glory and excellence. He has granted his precious promises. And then when it speaks of the divine nature, it is speaking of him. Him, him, his. His what? His divine power. Okay, so divine, the word is theos. And it just, it means divine. It means of God. It means of the divine nature. In Acts chapter 17, Paul's conversing with those. He walks into the city and he sees up there this unknown God that they're worshiping. And, and he says in verse number 29, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being, that the divine God is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. You all are creating something that you're worshiping in this town and you're bowing to it, but it is not divine. It is not of God. Why would you worship something that man would create? And we do the same thing. You know, Romans 1, you know, says the same. Am I on? I can't think I'm on. Am I, I can't tell. Am I? Okay. But Romans says, you know, Romans 1 says the same thing, that the people began to, to worship the creation instead of the creator. And Paul's like, why would you do that? You know, why would you do that? The word power, dunamis, power, might, mighty strength, ability, capacity. It's where we get the word dynamite or dynamic. It's the power spoken of in Luke number 10 that he gives to his disciples. This word is sometimes translated mighty as in mighty works that you will do in my name. Luke 19, it refers to mighty works. In Luke 21, it says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power. When Jesus comes back, he's going to come with power and great glory. Remember when Jesus is getting ready to depart this earth and he tells the disciples, go into Jerusalem and wait for me because I'm going to come back to you there. Remember that? And he says, but you will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, power, might, the ability to live this Christian life, strength, capacity. It's the same word 
that we're looking at right here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. It's a power that can only come from the divine. A power that if you look a little bit further, we read it a moment ago, that enables us to live with his divine nature, giving us the strength. Okay, First Peter, second, yeah, it should be Second Peter. Second Peter 1, 3, his divine power has granted to us what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. I like the NIV here too. It says his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. Everything that we need for life and godliness. Divine power to us for every single one of our circumstances. Now, there's more that comes after verse 3, and we're going to get to that next week. And it ties all of these promises and all the divine nature back to the Word of God and back to the promises of the Word of God. But as I was working through this, there's just no way that we could have done that in one Sunday. So we're going to do that next week. But Christianity at its core is supernatural. We believe in one God. We believe in this divine being, not created by the hands of man, but is the creator who spoke everything into existence, who created the worlds out of nothing. Supernatural. Christianity starts there. Hebrews 11.3 says it this way. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Created by the word of God. Don't let that hit your mind and just be dismissed too quickly. He created everything out of nothing. What is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That's his divine power at creation. The kind of power that creates something that you can see that was made out of something that was not able to be seen. It's too much for my mind to understand or to comprehend that. But that is the divine power that is available to us. In Romans, I'm not a very good button hitter today. In Romans 8, it says it's the divine power that Jesus had raised him from the dead. Look at it. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, same spirit... He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? Through the divine, through the spirit, through the Holy Spirit who dwells, who resides, who lives, who remains within you on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis. It's the divine power that Jesus is talking about in John 15. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, he it is that bears much fruit. But what if you don't? He says, well, apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can be like John Henry and you can big dig a big hole in the side of the mountain and you can make everyone think that you're being a good, good father, a good husband, a good boss, and you've got it all together. But you're dying because you're doing it in your own strength. I mentioned Ephesians 1 earlier in this prayer that Paul prays. Look at it. One of the best prayers that you can pray for people that you love that are in the faith. This is a great prayer for believers. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, 
And the third one, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Peter is saying it's that immeasurable, great and mighty power that you have access to. It's been, the word says, it's been granted to us. The word means to be gifted or granted. It's Ephesians 2.8 when it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, right? You can't work for his divine power in the same way that you can't work for salvation. It's been given. It's been granted to us. Matthew 7.11 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, will he give or will he grant good things to those who ask him? And then Luke's version of the same thing says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, go wait in Jerusalem. I will come upon you and you will have power because the divine himself through the, the person of the Holy Spirit is going to be able to come and you see these cloven tongues of fire and they begin to rest on each individual. So instead of Jesus walking with the 12 or walking with the 100 or walking with the 500, now he resides in each of us throughout the world and there's power within the church when we understand that it's Jesus himself and his divine power that lives within us. He's gifted He's granted to us divine power, the presence of himself and the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this divine power that's been granted to you, it's enough. It's enough for everything that you're going to need in life and in godliness. This is supernatural. It's a supernatural promise. And Peter is addressing a church who has forgotten, who's gotten lazy, apathetic, who's being easily enticed by the world and by false teachings, who's returning to a life of walking in the flesh instead of walking in the spirit, relying on their own strength instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. So he takes the first part of this letter and he points them to Christ and his glorious gospel, and then he stirs them up, slaps them around in the best sense of the, way, you know, the, the phrase, by remembrance and says, do you not realize his divine power resides within you and he's given you everything that you need for this life and for godliness. His divine power to us for life and for godliness. All right, so the big question when you hear that is, do I believe that? Do I believe that? Or is this some theological concept that's for others or it's just beyond my understanding? Do I believe that promise? Does that statement give me hope? Or again, do I think that that is for others? Do I believe that he, his divine power has given me what I need for the thing that I'm going through? Or not. If you have your pencils or pens handy, I really encourage you to take this passage and just mark it up. You know, mark his. 
Mark divine, mark power. But then look at these other two words, all that pertain to life and godliness. He, he puts those two together because they fit together, but we're going to separate them out. If you've got your worship guide, everybody got your worship guide? If you've got your worship guide and if you've got your pen or your pencil, look at it real quick. We're going to do a little exercise. There's two columns there. There should be. I didn't actually look. Yeah, I did. I, I saw it earlier in the week when Luke sent it to me. One of them should say life and one of them should say godliness. Okay, this may sound like uh, an elementary exercise, but when you read that there's divine power for life, life, what does that mean to you? What do we need? What kind of power do we need to be able to live our lives? That can be broad in general, that, or that could be more specific you know, for you, but just jot down some things. What would go under life? Divine power for life. Okay. Popcorn style, no microphone being passed around. What do we need for life? Give me something. Just say it loud. What? Scripture, okay. What else? That's good. What else? Love. We need love. What else? Hope, okay. What else? Air. Now we're talking oxygen, right? I referenced this before, but years ago there was the, the um, documentary, it was on PBS, and it was talking about birth and how a baby comes to be, and there was this one statement in the middle, and it says, and at this point, for a, a random day that nobody fully understands, and in ways that no one understands, the baby's heartbeat begins to beat, and it will begin beating now, and it will continue beating throughout the rest of the, you know, the, 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 the person's existence. Back then they called them babies, and they called them, you know, persons, Right? And you hear that, and there's like the commentator that was saying, for some random reason, on this random day, a heart begins to beat. How does something begin to beat on its own? Right? And so you think about life, just even your heart beating, you know, and pumping blood throughout, just even the circulatory system and the ability to receive oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide, just those little things. Yes. Air. What else? Food. Shelter, clothing, the things that we need. Matthew 6, he says, I'll, I'll provide those things for you. What else? Relationship, okay, relationships. What? Say it, somebody say it, repeat it to me. This, the sun. Yes, the sun, the sun and the sun, right? Conflict resolution, ability to love my spouse, ability to parent. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, your, your mind can go everywhere. You can go from, oh, I need breath, right? I 
really need to be able to see. And some people are able to live their lives even without that. But what are the things that you need? They all go back to God. He's given us divine power for life. Sometimes life is a struggle and you have this conflict and he gives you the ability even for conflict resolution. Okay, so now think about the things in your life that you need and then look at his promise and say, his divine power has granted to me everything that I need for blank. You don't have to say it out loud. But do you believe that his divine power has granted to you everything that you need for being a good husband? You know, being a father. You know, being a good father. Being a good boss. Being a good employee. Being a loving neighbor. You know, being a loving family member. There's all of those relational components that it's just, it takes supernatural strength. You know, I tell guys when I'm meeting with them, like, it's a small thing, but you pull into the driveway and you're tired and you're frustrated. It's been a long day and you're getting ready to walk in and you got toddler, toddler, you know, middle schooler or whatever. And you've got your wife and she's tired and, and you're like, ah, I just want to go be by myself and be alone. And, and I don't know how to do this. And you pray, oh God, I'm getting ready to step into this home. I have nothing to give. Nothing. I am depleted. I ask that you fill me with the supernatural power of your Holy Spirit. Enable me to love well, to laugh much, and to give back to my family. Because I can't do it. Divine power. This is what he's talking about here. Divine power for real lives that we lead. Okay, let me keep on going because I'm going to be stuck here too long and I don't want to do that. Okay, the next word that he uses is godliness. Uh, meaning acts of piety, reverence, holiness, uh, the things that we'll be discussing when we get in uh, verses five through seven a little bit later, godliness. So when you read that there is divine power for godliness, same thing, take your pen, take your paper, write down what, what comes to your mind. What does that mean? What does that look like in your life? Just spend a minute on it and I'll throw out some words as well. Godliness. Okay, so give me a word for godliness. Generosity, that's a good one. Humility, okay. Forgiveness, yes. Faithfulness. Holiness. And we could go on and on and on. And we all desire those. Holiness, purity, truthfulness, reliability. To be able to be a truth teller and not someone who's manipulative. To be able to really love. Just to be kind and to not be rude. Power over sins, attacks and temptations and struggles and even power over addictions. And we can go on and on. His divine power. You, won't, you and you only know your heart apart from God. So you know what this thing is that you might struggle with as it relates to godliness. His divine power has granted to me everything that I need for what? Where are you trying to muster up 
some spiritual fruit that can only come if the divine is living within you. And you're struggling. You're John Henry and you're about to die. What is that area in your life? And it may be that you're like, no, I'm abiding in the divine and I'm praising the Lord for that. Praise God for that. But a lot of people, I meet with a lot of people and a lot of people are struggling in specific areas. This passage gives us hope that this divine God through his presence within us, it is powerful. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to or that we need for life and godliness. Now, this is not self-help. This is not us taking Philippians 4.13 out of context and saying, ah, I can do all things, right? It's like Sam saying, I am going to play in the NBA. You know, I believe this. This is not self-help. And Sam, you will not play in the NBA. It'll never happen. This is talking about something different. It's, it's supernatural. It's there's a, this, this catalyst to resist the temptation to try to muster up energy, but instead begin to abide in him. It's a gospel-centered application, not a humanistic one, right? That's why it begins with him and he and him and his. It's all about him, not what you can do or I can do. All that we need or all that pertains to not all that we want, and there's a difference there as well. First Timothy six six, oops, First Timothy six six says this. It sums up the, you know, the need and of life and godliness. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. Just godliness with contentment, allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to live through us in such a way that He is producing fruit through us. It may look different for you as it does for this person over here, but Jesus is fulfilling his call in your life in a very specific way, and it's beautiful. And it's not related to the stuff. We didn't bring anything into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. John 10.10 tells us that the thief, the enemy, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy and the Lord saying, I've come that you might have life, life and godliness, have life and have it abundantly. Our health, wealth and prosperity gospel people would take that and they would completely misapply that and have the focus being on you and on your success and your stuff. And that is not what the Lord says. We see it in 1 Peter. We see it all throughout Scripture. Christians will go through trials. Christians will suffer. In this world, you will have trouble. But I've overcome the world, and I've given you everything that you need for life and godliness along the way. It doesn't mean no heartaches, no pain, no sorrow, no suffering, no trials. It's not saying that. But it's saying supernatural ability for everything that I'm calling you to in this life you have access to that. It's all related to him and what he has done. It's reminding us, this passage is reminding us, it's reminding me, we can't do it alone. I'm in desperate need of God and his power every single day. And when we do try to do it in our 
own strength. We become frustrated at our feeble attempts to produce godliness as though we had the ability to do that. And then what do we do? We get discouraged or we fake it or we begin to master the art of hypocrisy. I had a doctorate in hypocrisy, so I know all about that. We hide, we self-medicate in various ways, which could be its own sermon, and it will when we get into chapter 3. And we run to people and experiences that enable us to be happy for a few hours because we're so frustrated at the grind. That can be all of us when we forget. But today's verse, these three words, it's a call of hope. It's a call to remember. It's a call to see and remember that there is one stronger than us. It's a call to remind us that he has come to us. The cloven tongues of fire have come upon us. The power of the Holy Spirit resides in us. What power is that? It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's the same spirit that God used to create everything. It's supernatural power. And that power exists for your life and for you to be able to live a godly life. And what's the goal? Well, it says at the end of that verse, I don't want to just stop there. It says, who's called us to his own glory and excellence. The purpose is for people to see Christ in us. That God would be revealed in the same way that he's revealed in creatures and creation that God would see, that people would see that God exists and he lives within us and that's so much of what first Peter was all about that our behaviors would be different better and that we would be godly and that our lives would be more like the divine than humans there's no way as an example that you can love your enemies Go to the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is like, okay, so you love people that love you, and you're kind to people that are kind to you. He says, so what? Jerry's paraphrase. So what? Even the heathen do that. Even unbelievers do that. Of course you love people that love you, and you know, you're kind to people that are kind to you. I'm calling you to something different. How about the people that hate you? How about the people that slander your name? Do you have the ability to love them? He's saying you do. Christianity is supernatural, divine power for all that we need for life and for godliness. That's what he's calling us to here because that points to his glory and that points to his excellence. It's not self-help. This isn't going hard on your own and seeing what you can do to be a good Christian like John Henry and this isn't religion, doing good and trying to be godly and living a good life so that somehow you can become approved by God. All of that's settled in the gospel of what Jesus has done, the grand transaction. We are declared righteous and holy, good, if you will, because of what Jesus has done. It's not something that we can work toward. And this isn't some, this doesn't even make sense, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's not this Christian form of Buddhism where we're trying to be at peace with myself and with the people around me so that I can live a life that's just without conflict. 
And, but the, really, the focus is on yourself, not his own glory and excellence. There's too much at stake for Christianity and the way that we live the Christian life to be about us. It's about him. John the Baptist says, I must decrease, he must increase, start another day. I must decrease, he must increase. Over and over and over, it's so that the divine himself would form himself in us and transform us and change us so that people that once knew us would say, you're not the same person. The old creation has passed away. Everything's become new. You don't respond the way you used to did in situations like that. What in the world has happened to you? It's Jesus. It's the gospel. He's changing me. He's changing me. It's divine. And the point is to reveal his glory and his excellence. Okay. It doesn't stop there. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see things like this. Grace and peace in the knowledge of God and in Jesus our Lord. Or we'll see like what today says, through the knowledge of him. And then in verse number four, where it says that it's through his precious and very great promises that we will be able to become partakers in the divine nature. So if we wanted to stay till 1230, 1245, I think we can get through all of that, but we're not. Okay, but it's directly tied to the word of God. And we're going to hit that really, really hard next week. But that's for next week. But today, today, let's just look at those, those three words. And let's start by just believing this promise of God. By believing that he has granted everything that we truly need. And then by just repenting in our hearts where we've tried to do it on our own. Or we've not believed this truth. And my prayer is, God, just give us the faith to believe and the willingness to simply abide that your divine power would live through us. You know, I like to do truths, and I've been doing that since I've been here for the past couple of years. You know, these truths for the day, truth one, two, three, and four. I have concluded that today there is no additional truth, no promise, no additional words that I can give you that will in any way, shape, form, or fashion enhance or further explain what Peter has said in this one passage. Therefore, you have one truth today. It's in your worship, God, if you want him to fill in the blanks. And here it is. Are you ready? Truth of the day. His divine power. I'll just leave it there so you can fill in the blanks. Because I want you to see it. I want you to believe it. I want it to shake your heart and your mind. His divine power has granted to us all that pertain to life and godliness the through will lead us to next week. It'll be the catalyst to the word of God through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. I can't give a truth better than that. That would be foolish. The truth is 2 Peter 1, 3. 
The call is that our hearts would begin to believe that and it would give us hope no matter what you're going through, no matter what the struggle is, that you would walk out of here with hope because you would see that God is bigger. The encouragement is for us to believe. I also encourage each of us just to commit this passage to memory. To, to put it in your heart, to put it in your mind, but then to quote it often. One of the things I try to give people in, just in some of the counseling sessions is reminding them to, re, to remain prayerful, to be praying all the time. And when you're, just as an example, when you're in this moment where there's a temptation... Maybe it's a temptation to slander. Maybe it's a temptation to look at something or someone in a way that you should not. To have an honest prayer to God in that moment and say, oh God, did you see that? My heart is so quickly turned or my eyes were so quick to look the other way. I see here the depravity in my soul and I am reminded of the goodness of the gospel. But I'm also reminded of your promise that says, and I do this all the time. Your divine power has given me everything I need has granted to me everything I need for life and for godliness. I have the power through you and me to say no to that temptation. And for that, I rejoice. And that temptation goes from being something that could take you down and beat you up to it turns into the gospel and worship and victory in Jesus. There's a song there. Victory because of what Christ has done in us. You and I know Christians who are currently struggling. Some that are just making it from day to day and some from week to week. And I am certain, though this is not a prophetic statement, that there are probably individuals in here today that are much more like John Henry than the one who is just abiding in the vine. Struggling. It's not a guarantee that there won't be suffering, loss, trials, pain, that those things will be eliminated because Christianity is always going to have trials. Always. It's a call to suffer. It's a call to die daily. There will be various forms, but it is a promise that his divine power has provided to us everything that we need to live, to get through them, and to do it in such a way that it's truly supernatural and it points to his glory and to his excellence. A few closing questions, and then we'll close in prayer. The first one, do you know him? Do you see the disconnect? If it's his divine power that resides in us that enables us to live the supernatural life, and I don't know that I've ever truly believed the gospel. I don't know that the cloven tongue of fire has ever rested upon me because I'm relying on my own works or my experiences of going to church or a baptism when I was at the age of 12 or something other than the gospel belief itself. Then you start there. You're living for yourself and don't even realize that you don't even have the power within you unless you confess faith in Christ. So you start there. But if you are a believer, it's just a call to believe. It's a call to see and be reminded that Christianity is supernatural. God coming to us, giving himself for us, and then us abiding 
in him. So it's, are you trying to live like John Henry? You'll make some strides along the way, but you'll kill yourself in the end. Or are you abiding? If you had to choose a category, where do you find yourself? And he talks about the needs in our lives. You know, what are the needs in your life? What are the needs that you're trying to fulfill on your own and you're not relying upon the Lord for? Or that's really a want and it's not a need? I don't know. The point is, I don't know even what question to ask. But when you hear this passage, how does it hit your heart? What is it that you're not believing? What is it that you need to be reminded of? Godliness? Are you living a godly life? Or are there areas that you're just, they're beating you up, they're hammering you over and over and you feel defeated? Maybe nobody knows it except for God, right? The promise is his divine power has given you what you need to live this life and to be godly in it. It's a great passage. It's powerful. I told you this was 2011. This was the passage that changed my life in a lot of ways. It was the gospel but it was this passage, just over and over. I was like, no, I, I can't say that word here, stink. I stink as a husband, and I stink as a father, and I stink as a boss. And there was just a moment. I don't care if I'm naked before God in the world. I cannot continue living my life the way that I'm living it now. It's too hard. It stinks. It's killing my family, and it's killing me. I'm going to die. God, I don't care what happens. I need you to just change me. And this was it. It was just the promise of God. My divine power has given you what you need to live this life, and you're trying to do it on your own. I just want you guys to see that in the same way that I saw it. I want it to change us for his glory and for his excellence, not just so that we can be good Christians. Let's bow and pray. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this word. I thank you for these reminders. I thank you for this truth. Lord, this is not systematic theology or doctrine 101 where we're just learning a truth. Lord, this is the stuff that we need. These are the reminders that the church needed that Peter took to them, but it also are the reminders that the church at Redstone Church Elizabeth needs as well, oh God, because we are like John Henry. We like to do it ourselves. So much of our daily life looks much more humanistic than it does Christian. And God, where that has been the case, Lord, help us to repent and repent well, to repent and to believe and to believe the gospel and to walk out of here believing to walk out of here being reminded his divine power has granted me everything I need for life and godliness. Lord, may it sink in and it begin to change us, stir us by way of remembrance. We'll just be still for a moment. The Lord's always at work. We'll see if we have any response from the body and then we'll take communion together. Lord, your word says that as long as it's called today, we are to encourage one another.
Lord, as we step into this time of response, I pray that it would be an encouragement. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think Sam's got a microphone. Where is Sam? NBA legend Sam Adams. Right. So if you're, if you're hearing this and if you're like, man, I just got to say this. My, 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 my heart's just going boom, 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 boom. It's just going too fast. I just got to say something. You know, I've got to encourage you or I've got to confess or whatever. That's why we do this. It's an encouragement for the body so that we can learn from one another and be encouraged with one another's words. So does anyone want to share this morning? Or I should say, who wants to go first? All right. Miss Angela, what you got? Um, I just kept thinking about Ezekiel in the Valley of the Dry Bones. Mm. And when he prophesied, first the bones came together, but it wasn't until the Lord said, prophesy to the breath, that they came alive. Mm. And in Ezekiel 37, 14, it says, And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then, you'll sh then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Now, amen. That's a glorious encouragement. That should have been in my sermon. Thank you. Yes, you got Luke back in the back. I think just building off of what Angela's saying there, there's... I was looking a little closer at the word for, for bestowed or granted there and just wanting to know where that verb kind of comes from. And like you said, it comes from the word gift or, mm -hmm. or you know, to give something. Um, and I was reading a little more on it and it, there's other similar words in Greek that can mean similar things. But this one, uh, one, one note said that it can't really be used of, of anything evil in a sense. Like it's, a, it's meant to be a blessing or a gift that the only way it would ever be used in an evil context if it was done ironically. Um, so that, you know, in any sense, this gift that we are given, bestowed on us, has to be good. Mm. It has to be something that comes from God, has to be a blessing that uplifts and encourages and, and renews us. And I think that's, I think, really interesting. Just oh, that's good, man. This is why we keep Luke around. He takes us to the Greek and shows us things that we probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. Thank you, Luke. It has to be good. If he's granted it, it's a gift and it has to be good. That's a great takeaway. Who else? Jesse. Uh, Sunshine, then Jesse. Je Sunshine's closer. Um, <clears throat> my kids and I, we don't usually memorize scripture, but there is one passage. It's for God demonstrates his perfect love in this saving us while we were still sinners mm. and that was all over my um is weighing down on me like as you were sharing that scripture i just i wanted everybody to hear that yeah yeah okay and i tell my kids i said when you're at your worst he is still there like he is the one that still loves you because even as a parent when my kids are doing things that um maybe they know they shouldn't or or they Whatever, whatever the case is, and you know, even the best parent will sometimes turn, you know, but God is still with us. And yeah, I love that. So as you're walking up here to Jesse, the the passage I keep on throwing to to Sam and Mike, you know, on a regular basis is Psalm 104:3, and I've said it here. He rescued us from the pit, 
and he crowned us with steadfast love and mercy. I mean, the pit, it's the worst things that we could possibly do. He knows that while we were still sinners and he comes and rescues us even from that moment. It's beautiful. Jesse. Um, so I was thinking about what you said, just kind of when you're in your driveway and you, and you hmm. posture your heart, how do we posture our heart towards the Lord? Uh, are we so wrapped up in our own shame and imperfections that we're unable to say, I'm not okay. You know, and I just think how important it is. You know, there's a, a verse that says the fear of God is the beginning of, of wisdom and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I just think being able to get yourself to a place where you say, I'm not okay. And I need you rather than turning to, you know, all the other things that we, we turn to, mm -hmm. it's just a really good reminder from you. Just be willing to, to say, I'm not okay. And, and yeah. turn to the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Over and over, over and over. I'm not okay, but you are, and you receive me the way that I am. Give me strength. Thank you, Jesse. Anyone else this morning? Get to. Sam, you got another one over here next. Kind of going off what Jesse said, I was just thinking about a couple of scriptures. One is just that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so to have that attitude of like, no, I'm broken, and to stay there because that's the safest place to be. And also when Jesus is telling a parable, he sees people taking the most important seats and trying to find the best spot at the table. And he says, no, you, sh you should go sit at the lowest spot. And then when the, the your host sees you sitting there, they'll come over and say, no, you, you need to sit up here and they'll elevate you. And, and that's like how our posture should be before God is, I have nothing to offer. Look at me, I'm just a broken mess. And just stay there and and God will come and he will lift you up and say, you know what? I'm going to give you grace because you're the humble. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Thank you. I saw the hand. Okay, here we go. That, the life and godliness has been really in my prayers a lot, every day, today, give me what I need for the to-do list, the life list for today, and then the godliness obviously is the more important as a spiritual vessel. And so the second part of the prayer that I pray also and have been led to is cleanse, refine, purify, because the pure in heart get to mm -hmm. see God. Mm -hmm. And that's a really wonderful thing that I want to have happen every day. And then finishing it up with, please, Lord, make me a sacred vessel for holy use today. Mm -hmm. And the emphasis on vessel then takes it out of the realm of, I'm trying to muster this up. Yeah. But allow me to be that vessel, vessel that gets to be... Out for the holy use. Ah, so good. Yeah, thank you so much. Got anyone else this morning? Yeah, so Peter's, he's talking to the church, and again, he's, we're only a couple of verses in. I promise we'll get through this book at some point, but it's just, it's so good. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need this so badly. I don't know if the rest of the church does or not, but just, I need to be reminded I need to be reminded of the gospel. I need to be reminded that I am broken. I need to be reminded that he's called me to be a vessel and that he can pour me out however he wants to. 
but I don't have to do it in my own strength. I need to be reminded that it's his divine power. And it'll grant to me, it'll give to me. And as Luke says, that's a good thing. Whatever that granting and giving it is, it's going to be good. And he gives us what we need for life and for godliness. You got a little bit of faith in what I've said? Just a little bit? As much as a mustard seed? Because if so, that's okay. That's good. Start there. Say, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. You got a little bit of belief, the Lord's going to grow that in you. I just pray that you walk away encouraged. That you walk through this week, Jesse used the word pivot, that your pivot is back to the gospel. That you're, you're just renewing your mind and you're seeing posture. Your posture before the Lord is, oh God, I have nothing to give. But I remember Sunday. I remember that verse. I'm committing it to memory. And in this moment, Lord, your divine power has granted to me what I need for this moment. And I choose to believe that. Let's do that, and let's do it over and over and over. By way of remembrance, and guys, you can go ahead and start passing out because it'll take me a minute to read through this anyway. But this is Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, and there's this call to remember the gospel. And we've said we like doing it on a weekly basis because in this moment where we've just heard the word of God, what is the thing that we're going back to? Where, where is our posture or where is our pivot? It goes back to the gospel. So this is what the Lord says. Well, this is what Paul says and the Lord spoke through him. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he begins with his body and they don't understand these things. It's not illuminated in their hearts and minds until after he was glorified. And then they began to say, oh, I get it now. He had to die. So Jesus says, my body is given to you. Okay. And you need to see that. And then he continues to say, do this in remembrance of me in the same way he takes the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you drink this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He has died, but he's coming back. He has risen and he pours out the drink, the wine, and when he does, he says, this is my blood. Why do we care? Why does that matter? What does that mean for us today, a few thousand years later? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Without the blood of Christ, you're dead in your sin. You have no hope. But because of what Christ has done, the gospel being true, you are, this is not me, this is Jesus. He says, you are forgiven. Your sins are absolved. There's no more guilt for your foolish acts. When you were in the pit, I reached down and I pulled you up. You're forgiven. This is why we take communion. God, help us to understand that your body was given for us and your blood was poured out for us. And as we partake this morning, may we confess our sins. May we confess our unbelief and may we believe the gospel. And in receiving, may we walk out of here today and we step into worship just 
believing that your divine power has granted, has gifted to us everything that we need for this life and for godliness. Oh, God, help us to believe and rejoice because of it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can partake. After you've done so, whenever you're ready, Brandon, just lead us in worship.